0: Hey, what's up, y'all? Alan Kenny, host of Blatant Homers and Podcast here. We're recording this on the morning of Wednesday, October 17th, uh, with uh, Oklahoma making a change in defensive coordinator, firing Mike Stoops and bringing on uh, Ruffin McNeil, or I guess Elevane Ruffin, to uh, the job of interim defensive coordinator. I thought I'd uh, check in with our friend Michael Felder, now of the Stadium Network, to get his take on uh, what to expect out of the Sooners in the next six games, what are reasonable expectations for what uh, McNeil can do to uh, help kind of you know turn the defense around and where really those uh, problem, biggest problem areas are for you. all right so let's welcome him on Michael Felder how you doing my man man I'm doing fantastic how about yourself oh no complaints no complaints I appreciate you getting on early with us uh, this uh, Wednesday morning so first up tell me how things are going with stadium. Oh, it's
1: great, man. I absolutely love um, just getting an opportunity to talk about football again every day on a daily basis to get into, you know, film and uh, look at, you know, what t- trends, what teams are doing and kind of it's the cool part for me is that there's no story that's not or no angle that's not worth hitting. It's not uh, hey, let's just do Ohio State or Notre Dame or Alabama. It's, hey, you know what, let's talk about North Texas. Let's talk about uh, what we're seeing at FIU. Uh, let's talk about what we're seeing. You know, out west with uh with with the Oregon Ducks and Justin Herbert, what they've been able to do this season. So it's been pretty fun to just kind of be able to kind of bounce around and 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 hit a bunch of spots.
0: And have you been giving uh, Brett McMurphy any reporting tips?
1: <laughs> no, man. He um uh, he does his own thing. I'm actually <laughs> in Chicago. He is not. So oh, I'm okay. just listen, man. He's a superstar. Mike Felder's just a grinder that's in the pits with the rest of the producers and the production crew.
0: Oh man, don't sell yourself short. Don't sell yourself short, man. Well, anyway, uh hey, so you know, I wanted to have you on because um you know, what I like is your ability to give the the perspective of the players, especially, you know, I mean, having walked on at UNC, I mean, you know, you've all got given us you you can give us kind of the the feel of things from all up and down the food chain, kind of so to speak, you know. So, what I'm what I'm wondering about is, what's it like in that locker room right now at Oklahoma with uh, you know an interim defensive coordinator in place there?
1: Well, I think there's a couple things. Well, I think there's layers to it. I think one uh, there's this base layer of man, we got our guy fired, um, and unless he was unless Stoops was a guy that none of the players liked and none of the guys that he recruited liked him. I think there is a level of feeling of responsibility that man we 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 were so bad that they had to fire this guy in the middle of the season I mean it's that's a so that's something you have to reckon with and then there's also this level of personal pride and I think that that's something that for me is maybe the most important part of defensive football is recognizing that even if you don't know what the hell's going on you can get you can get off a block and make a tackle and they didn't do that and they didn't do that in a major way against Texas allowing them to play almost a perfect football game through three quarters so I think that there's that level of personal pride has is getting called into question where your leaders on that football team, whether it's Murray or it's Bolton or, you know, it's it's or whoever you, you deem to be the leaders on that team you have to look each, each one of those young men in the eye, each one of their teammates in the eye and say, hey, man, we can't let this happen anymore. And then when you get to the interim, that's before we even get to the interim. And the idea is it's Ruffin and McNeil. And I think. Obviously, I'm a big Ruffin McNeil fan. Um, I thought they did him dirty at East Carolina. I will never not say that whenever Ruffin McNeil comes <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah. Um, but I think for him now, he's in a spot where I don't even know if this is a job that he wants, but it's a job that he's being asked to do. And the key for him is going to be how do I motivate these guys? Because whatever we've been doing, whatever I've been on staff working with, hasn't been working. And we got to do two things. I think there's one. There's a. I think we they have to do two things. One. You gotta find a way to motivate these guys to not kind of feel down about what happened last game, not let last game beat you twice. I know they had the week off. But you've got to figure out a way to kind of get into gear and 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 recognize, okay, how do we fix this? And then the second part is gonna be you gotta figure out what these guys can do. Cause that's the the number one thing that stoops did not have figured out, especially this season, is what do these guys do well? I thought they looked decent in some spots. Um, but I mean, why are we, are, is, is Bolton hurt? Are we watching this football game and he's out of the lineup and, and Caleb Kelly is in is I don't, I don't like, did you understand what was going on with that? Cause I didn't see anything that said that Bolton was, you know, like hurt enough to not go. And then when he got in the game, he looked like he was fine, but he wasn't in the game. So did I miss something on that?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things I think he's been dealing with, uh, with a shoulder thing since sure. that army game. And so, you know, I mean, that's but the, but that's kind of the part that I don't quite get because, you know, they pulled him there in the second quarter, uh, and I don't know if he yeah. had if if it was an issue of him missing stuff or what in the uh, in the first quarter. But you know, then he's back in the third. So yeah. you know, part of the reason given was this was this shoulder injury, but then you know they put him back out there. So <laughs> it, it, it didn't exactly it didn't square with me at all. I I, yeah. I wasn't quite sure what was going on with that.
1: If it's hurt, take him out. But I think that they've got to figure out what these guys can do. And, I, man, I, I don't know. Like, it it was – it hurt me a little bit. Like, it, it not hurt me, but it was incredibly puzzling and a little difficult to watch to see, you know, a guy like Mark Jackson stay out there on the field. Like, he – at some point, you got to realize, this isn't working, let's find something else. And, I mean, watching him kind of just get – he got manhandled and then – when he didn't get manhandled, they got him exposed on a one-on-one on a running back. where yeah. he just had no chance to cover down the field. So, what can we do? What do we? What can we do to put Mark Jackson in a, in a position to succeed? Does that mean we have to split him out wider so that he has more of a running start, so he recognizes I can't get let these guys' hands get on him, or do we have to take him out of the game? But you've got to figure out what you're going to do. I think that's the biggest key here, and you can only you can't do that in you know in a week and a half or two weeks or whatever it is. But Ruffin obviously has been with this team. I think the key for him is going to be. Okay, go to each one of your position coaches and obviously he was the guy that was coaching positions. Well, go to them and say, "Give me your give me give me your four best guys. Give me what are your five best guys? What do they do well? Let's talk about what we can do. What do you think is going to be successful?" Not going to we're not going to fully revamp our entire scheme and have a brand new defense out. You can't do that in 2 weeks. But what we can do is put together a package that we know works and then make small adjustments off of that as teams try to adjust to what we're doing. But we got to get off the field on third downs.
0: Yeah, that's and that's obviously been what has killed him so far this year. Um, you know, but looking at it, I guess, you know, you, you raised one issue there about scheme. Um, you know, how much of this was a scheme issue and how much of it do you think is more just, you know, either not motivating guys or not putting guys in the right positions?
1: I don't think as much of it was scheme. I mean, they there were times obviously they weren't lined up completely or they had some coverage busts, but at the end of the day, I mean, for me personally, defense is not deep. Like deep, someone said to me on Twitter, they were like, "Well, his Mike Stoops defense, defense is too predictable." And I was like, "Well, what? That's not that's not a thing. Like yeah. a good a good defense can line up in base every day, and guess what? They're going to fit into their run gaps, and they're going to hold their ground. They're going to hold the edge, and they're going to get stops. Like what? Do, we don't we don't have to be unpredictable to be a good defense. Michigan State's defense it wasn't unpredictable at its best." Wisconsin's defense isn't unpredictable. Michigan's defense isn't unpredictable for how good they are this year. They're not unpredictable. They just have players that want to go out. and, Yes, they have some guys that are elite players, but they also have some guys that are just pretty good, and they go out and make plays. So I don't think scheme, to me, should dictate nearly as much success. I think it's the players that decide that. And obviously the whole X's and O's. It's not the X's and the O's. It's the Jimmy's and the Joe's. But, like, they've got guys on this roster at Oklahoma that I think are very good football players. And to watch them, it, it felt like effectively lay down in critical moments. I mean, and by lay down, I don't mean quit, but I do mean not have the wherewithal to get off a block, to two guys fit in the same gap um, instead of rec- two guys fit in the same gap because somebody else is trying to do someone else's job instead of just doing their own job and trusting their teammate next to them. And I guess maybe I've talked myself into one of the most critical points is. These guys need to know what their job is and just do their job. And I think that's the part that makes defense good. It's a defensive end recognizing that okay, I have I have to chuck the tight end, but I have contain. It's a defensive tackle knowing I fit in B gap or I fit in A gap. It's a linebacker knowing he the, that defensive tackle is going to fit in B gap, so I fit in play side A gap. The other guy's going to fit in weak side A gap. We've got another linebacker in weak side B gap, and then we've got defensive end on contain on the edge. We've got a hanger on the other side, and that's what they have to get to a point where. They all trust each other to do that. In the secondary, it means, okay, we're playing cover two. I trust my corner to get a reroute to force that guy down inside so he doesn't kill me all the way to the sideline. And then I trust the corner to sit hard in the flat to make sure he can take care of number two. If that guy's not there, carry my guy vertical so that you have underneath coverage. And I think you have to get to that point for this team. They have to trust each other to make plays because one of the big issues you see with – there's two reasons why teams don't don't get in the right gap. One, they don't know what the hell they're doing. Or two – they're trying to overcompensate for a guy they think isn't going to do his job. And neither one of those are okay because two guys in one gap means there's one empty gap, and that's a long run waiting to happen. So for me, I think they've got to get to a point where they trust the – where they know what they're supposed to be doing and then where they trust everyone else to do their job.
0: And then, you know, the other issue that uh, comes up, you know, you, you know, you talk about stuff like gain off blocks, and, and we're talking really here about, you know, the basics, the fundamentals. Yes. And, and tackling has been so bad, right? Yep. How, mm-hmm. do, you, how do you go about fixing that, uh, you know, kind of in the middle of the season?
1: I mean, I just, I guess the big thing for me, like, the thing that always, as for me as a player, but also just watching football, is tackling's not hard. Like, there are some guys who are hard to tackle, but tackling in and of itself is not hard. It's you getting the guy on the ground. That's At the end of the day, it's you getting the guy on the ground. And some guys do it with monster hits. Some guys do it with rapid roll. Some guys do it by chopping up legs. But at the end of the day, as long as you get him down on the ground, you've done your job. And I think there is a measure of pride that comes with that, with being able to do your job consistently. And so I think – to me, if I'm Ruffin McNeil, the thing I start with from a tackling standpoint is we work. We go back to basics in terms of shooting your guns, wrapping, six-inch rise and blow. We go rap and roll. We talk about getting your head across. We talk about using the sideline uh, to make sure you secure the tackle. I think we do those little things. And then when I'm watching film with my entire defense, I want to count how many guys are in the frame because that's another thing that, that, we, that we, I see as an issue is how many guys are in the frame? How many guys are rallying to the football? Tackling gets a lot easier when you've got six guys there, when you've got eight guys there. Like we used to have this – every defense should have that policy If we want 11 hats in the frame. And obviously, you know, a free safety is not going to be in the frame for something that's happening at the line of the scrimmage all the time or a defensive tackle not, is not going to be in the frame for something that's happening 17 yards down the field. But they ought to be busting their ass to get there. And I think that's one of those things, again, that you dial in on. You look at the idea that, hey, we got to get – we we don't tackle well so we need to throw more bodies at the problem the only way you can throw more bodies at the tackling problem if you got everybody run into the football
0: yeah and i don't know how many times i've seen that myself just watching you know going back over games you know seeing a guy uh you know tr- trying to make a tackle and then somebody kind of pulling up there instead of helping him yep. finish it off and stuff like that i mean that that's the kind of stuff where I mean, if I was a defensive coordinator, I'd be going nuts seeing something like yep. that. Exactly. Um, yeah. So I guess then, uh, you know, one guy I wanted to ask you about is uh, Brendan Radley Hiles. You know, Buki. He's he's a mm-hmm. guy that I know you were really high on coming into the season. You know, they've been playing him pretty far off the ball uh, in a lot of cases. You know, as the safety there, because I think in all honesty, they just don't have guys that they trust to uh, to play that position. Uh, yeah. I mean, so. I mean, I got to feel like that's not really putting his uh, talents to best use, right?
1: Right. Well, here's the thing. I think being so far off the ball is a new experience for him. And keep in mind, this is a guy that, you know, he played defense, played offense. Playing that kind of that inside nickel spot was something that was relatively new for him. And it's a new ready. And then as you take him further and further away from the line of scrimmage and further and further from coverage, I think it does become – sort of a fish out of water. And so I'm curious to see, because early on in the season, I thought he was a little bit more effective when they were playing him closer. And it seems like, it, correct me if I'm wrong now, but it seems like he's gotten further and further and further away from the line of scrimmage.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And he's become less effective. I think that, you know, we see some of the t- – he's able to be a little – he's manipulated a little bit easier um, further away from the line of scrimmage because of play action, because he's not locked in on that slot guy or over top of the tight end. Now he the decisions become the gap, uh, put it this way, this is the way I, I, this is the way I think about it. The closer you get to the line of scrimmage, the smaller your mistakes are and the less costly they are. But the further you get from the line of scrimmage, that one step that might you know take you a little bit out of your gap or something as a defensive lineman, uh, that extra read step or something that might take you out of, out of the play as a linebacker, you take that one wrong step as a defensive back and now, There's a five yard gap there and you can't make that ground up, you know, with a quick hop and jump like that's not going to be you can't do it. It's not going to happen that way for you. And so for him, the further he is back and I see it where teams work a play action and he takes a hard jab step. He takes a hard step in for the play action. Now he has a tough time getting back outside. And I think that comes with obviously a little bit of discipline on his part, reading high hat, low hat from an offensive line standpoint. But let's let's be honest. The offensive linemen are blocking all this stuff the same way, so you can't really read them. Yeah. So now you got to play rules, and you got to play. You got to recognize that if pass is my first responsibility all day, I don't. I don't care about run fakes. I've got to read pass first, and then I'll get to the run second. And again, moving further away from the line of scrimmage, that becomes a different that 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 becomes a different beast to handle. So I'm curious to see what Ruffin does with him and how they how they model this because. Certainly I'd like to have him more I thought he was more effective as a guy not playing full contain for them but certainly as a guy that was a secondary run defender coming up out from from the outside to the inside
0: yeah and I got but I mean eventually he's got to be a corner right I mean he's not he's not he's not necessarily a, a nickel guy right
1: well see i think I think he can play the nickel I think that's fine I don't think he's a safety is the is the big thing to me yeah I think he can play I think he can play like a slot a slot corner. Um, a lot of what uh, Dante Jackson did at LSU um, early on in his career, and then they kicked him outside a little bit more. But I think he can play a slot corner, but I think the responsibility there has to be you are a slot corner. Yes, you are, but you're, you're a slot corner. You're a secondary run defender, not a primary run defender, not the alley fill run defender that you get out of a safety spot, but a guy who repass, recognize, okay, it's a handoff. I'm going to get off because he's one of the few guys that I see consistently get off blocks Mm -hmm. out of that second. So he can't get off blocks and go insert himself into a run play. It's just a matter like to me outside, maybe if you want to kick him outside, I think he's capable, but I think for, I think right now, best solution for him is playing that slot corner, but letting him play down, you know, at, at four to six yards, instead of playing that from eight to 12 yards.
0: Yeah, no, that's a, I think I think that's exactly, yeah, what I, what I would hope to see the rest of the way, but Again, that means finding somebody yeah. they trust to fill back on the backside. So I don't, I don't really know uh, how they're going to work that out, but I guess the last thing is, you know, we've talked a lot about scheme. Um, you know, Ruffin McNeil has said that, you know, he's he, kind of, kind of what you intimate. I mean, you know, he's part of been part of this defensive staff so far, he's been on board with what they've been doing scheme wise. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not planning on changing much. I, I would prefer a coach not try to make any, do anything dramatic, you know, kind of two with, with, with six games left to go in the season. But I wanted to get your take on that.
1: Yeah. I don't think you can do anything dramatic. I think you can introduce small wrinkles into the basic foundation that they already have. But the idea like, Hey, you know, we're a, like we're a base four, three team or a base three, four team. Um, Let's scrap it all. We're going to do this now. I I just don't, that's not a thing that you can do. I think, the, the only way you can really make big changes is our simplification, which means, hey, we're going to play a one-gap this or this is what we're going to do. Every play, you just do this. That's the only way I think you can really make the – I think that's the way you can make the largest changes. Um, but, again, defense boils down to individual effort. And it's 11 it's got to be 11 men pulling in one direction. And I think that's the hardest thing to to get across to folks because everyone – Like, I I get it. I Listen, blame the coaches. They make enough money, they're worth blaming. Uh, Because, and not because of the scheme that they're using, but at the end of the day, you're either coaching them wrong Mm -hmm. or you're letting them do stuff that you don't coach. And both of those things to me are egregious offenses for a football coach. Um, If you're coaching them wrong by that, I mean, you're not teaching them how to get off blocks. You're not teaching them where they're supposed to fit for their runs. You're not teaching them, you know, how to gap out as a defense. You're not teaching them the tackling, or you're letting it happen, which means you're like, okay, I never taught you that. Why are we doing it? What was a Patrick Ewing clip where he's telling it to a kid? He's like, since when do you shoot this jump shot? Have you ever practiced that? Ju- Have you ever practiced that? No. Have, why, has it a, Is it a play we've ever called? No. Then why are you doing it? Oh, no. <laughs> right. Well, you get to sit down on the bench now. And I think we don't talk about that enough as football, as people that cover football. But if, a kid answers no to these questions consistently. Hey, why is your head on the inside when it needs to be on the outside? Oh, well, right. Oh, well let's sit down. We'll put, I would rather lose with somebody who's doing the right thing than lose with a guy who can do the right thing and he's not doing it.
0: Yeah. And I think that is also, I think that more than anything might be the, the criticism of what's happened at OU so far this year that, that gets me more than anything is that, you know, the guys who are making consistent mistakes, they're not finding somebody else to take their position or to, uh, you know, push them or, you know, g- just get out on the field to uh, actually do the right thing. And that's yeah. been that that's a that's a tough one uh, for me to handle as a fan uh, just watching it. So I don't know. Um, well, anyway, man, uh, I won't keep you much longer. I know it's early. Uh, got to uh, you know, I didn't really get your thoughts, though, on very Cavallari.
1: Um, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. I actually got to do a segment on uh, the show before mine uh, with Kristen Balboni and uh, Dave Ross. We got to do a segment here for Stadium about about Very Cavallari. It was, I mean, Jay Cutler, he's a reality TV revelation. And Kristen Cavallari, I mean, she's what she is, you know, like she was super charismatic and a little manipulative and fun on Laguna Beach. And she just continues that sort of persona. And Honestly, I think the cool thing, it's a cool window into the life of a post-football player where his wife is – and obviously she's not in the same position as a lot of wives but in terms of visibility, but she is in the same position from a we did this for you, now it's my turn. I know guys that whose wives are thinking the same thing like, listen, I followed you around and Jay only played what he would play for, three teams, two teams. Mm-hmm. But like, there's, I know a lot of guys that are like, wives are like, I followed you around to four different cities. I went to, I spent every Sunday, you know, either flying to this place or doing this and then you're not home. And so we're taking care. I have to take care of all of this. And guess what? Now that you're done, it's my turn. And I think that's a cool window into what that life is like, because I don't think a lot of people get it. And just seeing her kind of take her chance, which is really cool
0: yeah you know the thing with uh with cutler where i mean he had so many great moments in the season but got the very first episode where he has the traffic cones out and he's like Uh where do you think you might park in my yard yeah (laughs) let's put a cone there let's put a (laughs) i don't know what it was it was great that, that that cracked me up man
1: it was so great because i like i get that i am that guy like if i if i walked outside and my, one of my wife's friends had pulled onto like the grass of – instead of on the – staying in the driveway, I'd be like, what are we doing here? <laughs> I would – I would, I, without a doubt, I would go downstairs. I would interrupt whatever they were doing and say, hey, who drives the Silver Maxima? Because you're on the grass. And they would look at me and go, um, okay. And I'd be like, no, 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 no. Like we need to correct this right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this a correction needs to happen find a
0: traffic cone where you think you'd park and okay we'll put one there
1: (laughs) one right (laughs) there we're good to go no it's um it's cool like he he's super supportive i also like the decision they've made to not put their kids on blast and i mean just oh my goodness and this the shannon girl she's a nightmare and i absolutely love her for being such a nightmare
0: oh yeah oh yeah disaster man disaster
1: Full disaster. So I, I'm I'm, a, I'm very much looking forward to a second season of the show, which they already announced as they were announcing the, the as they were going through into the finale. Looking forward to it. I mean, watching Jake Cutler. I mean, watching him set the kitchen on fire. <laughs> yeah. And which is it's funny because we I just had a moment like that. Where I was using the grill and I like to like do a paper towel with like olive oil on it and really like get the grill the grill greased up. And I wasn't paying attention. I'm looking at my phone. And I look over and this paper towel is completely on fire. And my wife looks at me from inside because I'm outside on the patio. She looks through the sliding glass door and is like, what are we doing? And and Jay Cutler's got the, he's got the towel. Like it's a towel. You have a sink in your kitchen. This is an easy one-to-one fix. And he's just like blowing on it. And I was just like, I get it. I get it, man. I've been there. I understand completely
0: absolutely absolutely well uh there you go folks michael felder you know not only uh you know great with the x's and o's but also a reality tv breakdown uh you know follow him on twitter (laughs) or and uh also instagram for the food right
1: yeah it's uh, it's felder it's felder on instagram and obviously i add in the bleachers on twitter make sure you check out at watch stadium on twitter and uh dot com because we got a lot of content and You know, today doing a face doing Facebook live every Wednesday at seven thirty Eastern. I do a Facebook live show with Kristen Balboni to kind of hit on some topics we don't get to touch on our daily shows. So it's um, listen, they're working the kid hard, but it feels good to 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 do the work.
0: Well, I'm just glad to see you back out there and everything, man. Uh, You know, I missed uh, missed you while uh, you were on hiatus, but uh, you're back and uh, you know in full swing. So I'm I'm happy to see that, man. Thank you so much, man. You take it easy. All right, you too, man. All right, thanks to our guest, Michael Felder. Make sure to check him out over at the, the Stadium Network. And thanks to you all for joining us too. For the Blayton Homers and Podcast, I'm Alan Kenny. Take it easy.